remember a story that you told that um, when you were about to graduate. Oh, that story, oh that story is horrifying. If you want your business to be a charity, then then maybe form an NGO and start looking into something like that. We are all connected. So join me as I talk to like-minded people about topics that are appropriate to the current times we are living in. My name is Lerato Shabalala and this is Relevant. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Relevant with me, Lerato Shabalala. Remember, you can listen to the podcast wherever you listen to your podcast, uh, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, but we're also available on YouTube because me and my guests are cute, particularly my guest today. My goodness, like I can't even, when she came on, I was like, you are not being legit. She looks so amazing. Like I, I actually, I, I can't wait to um, um, introduce her to you guys. She's amazing. And because I know we're going to take a long time talking and I want to get to the talking, I'm just going to get straight to it. She is the um, co-founder of Jerry Colisa. She is, she's been a financial uh, director and manager. She is a traveler. She's an artist. She's the representation of what Womandla is all about. I'm so excited today to be talking to Natasha More. How are you? The eagle. <laughs> <laughs> I am good. Um, surviving. It's it's been a year of survival. Um, I'm good. I'm in a happy place. Um, managed to get around. I'm currently in Nairobi. So yeah, <laughs> I'm good. Such a you are such a, a a vibe. And and before uh we came on air, you were just telling me about um how um the new collection is was sort of inspired or brought by by this the pandemic so i want to ask you as a as a person who lives between south africa and kenya as a nomad somebody who travels how have you dealt with this um this time that we've been living in of being hemmed up staying at home not going anywhere how have you been dealing so our situation was a little bit um, knowing what nomad life is, um, I think threw us fully into it. So on the 11th of March, we traveled from Kenya to South Africa on a 10 day trip um, for work and to see family for a while. And we ended up stuck because um, that's when lockdown was announced. So we went for 10 days, we ended up being stuck for 10 months. Um, and <laughs> initially, when ha- initially when it happened, we were like, oh, okay, what, what's going to happen now? Because we couldn't fly back into Kenya, which was our base at the time. Um, and we are now in South Africa. So do you go stay at home or what's happening? And we're like, no, we are a married couple. There's no way you can go stay with moms and dads oh, and uncles. <laughs> Especially during lockdown when you can't leave and all of you are together and you're not even used to that. So um, 
being who we are and you know being traveling beings um we decided since we are homeless we're actually calling it homeful um let's let's use it as an opportunity to travel um our country that we hadn't done actually for quite a bit um so during the time we were airbnb hopping um you know given these restrictions. So if it was just Joburg, Gauteng, um, once they opened up Gauteng, we went to Mpumalanga, Limpopo, and started traveling that. And then went to Tanzania, uh, Zanzibar, then Kenya. So we are on our 24th Airbnb now, (laughs) Uh, um, in one year. Um, So not ever, (laughs) just in the past 12 months, 24th um, Airbnb that we stay in um, and we made it back to Nairobi and had to sort of rethink what home was even um, you know the flexibility around it because people are like this is strange how can you even you know how are you even doing this um, is, doesn't it feel unstable and um, at the time so much was so unstable anyway mm-hmm. and um, we redefined what home was for us um, the fact that home is not a location, mm-hmm. um, the fact that home are people and a sense that you get and the people you're with and the people that you're able to be in touch with. And after getting past that mental space, um, we actually enjoyed it. Like we, we, we enjoyed um, lockdown. Uh, we were in so many amazing places once they opened up Gauteng and we could even go outside was such a great reminder of how beautiful even my own country is. Because mm. um, you know, when you tend to travel a lot, you like start admiring and adoring everywhere else too. And I was like, home is dope. Like exactly. home is amazing. <laughs> um, so, yeah. so then I had like all these friends who were saying, we've never actually seen South Africa through you. We've seen a lot of locations and destinations in Africa and through you, but we've never seen South Africa. We've probably seen more East Africa through you than anything. So we really enjoyed it and it gave me a new sense of appreciation for my roots, where I come from, Um, went to the village where my grandfather was born and just such like a sense of pride in my culture and being Bedi and like, you know, um, finally seeing roots the way we're not taught in school, but like seeing roots and experiencing them on the ground. Um, I came out of last year with you know, such a bigger sense of self, but pride. And when you know you are from royalty and from goodness and from love, I feel like you carry yourself differently mm-hmm. um, because you're not, you know, South African history is full of shame and us not being seen as us always pulling ourselves away and having imposter syndrome and all sorts of things. But when you internally are coming from a place, a sense of pride um, um, from your roots and who your people are, you approach the world so much more different because I don't feel like I lack anything. I feel like I've got so much to give. My country has so much to give, my continent, my people. Mm. And that only would have come from me encountering different people on the continent to just give that sense of pride. But what I hadn't realized was how much of it I also needed from home. Um, And spending the past year in South Africa was nothing I'd ever planned. We hadn't planned on moving back at all. Um, And it it reinforced the fact that I want to be out in in the continent more, but I had so much to offer from home in myself as well, that I wasn't going to 
seek to fill myself in. I'm a full cup and I'm giving up, but I'm also educating and letting people see how beautiful we are outside of all the horrible stories that are told about us. Um, so I'm continuing with the same work, but what has changed is who I am and the lacking that I thought I had, I actually don't at all. Right. I think that's so amazing. Um, I remember reading a, a, a story um, written about Iman and she was talking mm. about coming um, and coming from Africa and now living in the UK and then moving from the UK and being in, in America with her husband, David Bowie. And somebody said to her, they asked her, so what is home since you've moved around so much? And her answer, I've never forgotten. I think I read this article maybe over a decade ago and she said, home is wherever David is. And mm -hmm. for me, it stuck with me because it, it, it was about understanding that home is not a location. Um, mm -hmm. It is helpful to have a location, believe me. I think both you and yeah. I, <laughs> we know how important it is to have um, a geographical um, location that is a home, but mm -hmm. also understanding that home is wherever your mind, your heart, the spirits, the, the people you love is, that it could be anywhere. And I think it's not a coincidence that you ended up being at home during the most interesting, difficult, <laughs> challenging time <laughs> in like a hundred years, right? Like the universe wow. <laughs> where she needs to be. She needs to be at home with her people. You know what I mean? So um, I, I, there's so many things I want to ask you, uh, but I want to start with how do you then end up living between two countries? How does that, uh, how did that happen? So in 20, I think um, my now husband was my boyfriend, then we met around 2010. Yeah. And so just in summary, our relationship was six and a half years of long distance, meaning never living in the same city at the same time and sometimes countries, sometimes continents. Wow. So that's how our dating life was. So most of the time I was so available, like people would be like, you're like a single girl, but not. Um, because six months into our relationship, um, he um, had an opportunity, which used to be my friend. So he used to tell me he's trying to manifest this job in Singapore and, you know, getting secondment there. And so he did six months into our relationship and we were like, oh God, how are you going to see each other? Are we going to have a relationship? And during that period of time, we both worked with multinationals, um, largely traveling Europe, the UK, Asia, um, where he was based as well, and the Philippines. And so Asia is also another love of mine. So we did a lot of Asia travels and the UK, Europe. And during this whole time, people were asking us about the rest of our continent and all we could speak to was where we are from, but nothing really about the rest of the continent. And so from 2011, we decided if it's on our own budgets, we are only traveling Africa because work can send us elsewhere, but we need to start getting to know our roots. And the beginning of even starting to getting to know our roots is committing um, because financially at the time, a trip to a flight from Joburg to Nairobi and Johannesburg to London was the same. 
girl. But people choose London because of all the amazing things you've heard, right? You want to go see Big Ben, you want to see this, you're going to see um, the castle and all of this. But you don't know anything about Kenya besides the Maasai. Um, which is what's been publicized um, and around the continent or you know about the Kenya violence in 2007, 2008, but you know about negative stuff and one or two positive things, but you don't, you're always um, looking at the continent as unsafe. I'd rather travel to Europe because it's safer, I feel more secure, etc. So during those years, we decided we're going to travel Africa on our budgets and we started Southern Africa and like moving, um, moving up. Um, and now we've had like the past five years of focused on East Africa. So Uganda, Tanzania, Ethiopia, Kenya. Um, so we use Kenya as a base and then we do business and work around those parts. And so we were doing that traveling. Um, 2012, um, we decided to climb Mount Kenya. So we came here and climbed Mount Kenya and then saw a lot of Kenya. And the people in the sense that they left us with, even though we've been to a whole lot of other African countries, some more positive than others, some experiences, you know, uncomfortable, but like you won't know until you go there. But Kenya felt homely. The people were amazing. Um, there was still so much to see, even though we'd been on that trip, um, we thought you can only see everything over a long period of time. So 2016 is when we moved here. And I was in a career changing space. <laughs> Um, so I thought before I decide what my next space is going to be, because I've been doing finance and accounting for years and those spaces also make me feel uncomfortable, the racial um, dynamics in those, those spaces and, and too much therapy, healing from a place I have to wake up and take myself to every day. So I needed a more permanent change um, and decided to put two years out. So I saved up well-planned. Um, I, I was going to take two years off, come to East Africa, see how it goes, and um, decided to do my MBA as well at the time, um, which I spent time doing. And then I started getting to know the creative side um, of, of Kenya. And I saw so many linkages between SA and Kenya yeah. that unless you are here, you're not going to know how similar we are. Exactly. Um, you're not going to know how much we can transfer in terms of knowledge and customs oh, and, and all of that. So and then, then I got into, so by the time I was done with my MBA, I didn't want to go back to finance. I was clear. <laughs> um, but I was very like even now I'm like, I don't care if invoices <laughs> drip every other month. <laughs> How guaranteed that salary was, was not worth the cost it yeah. came with emotion. It was not at all. Um, and, and, and everyone thinks plan and um, traveling and you know, living elsewhere and stuff has to come at a huge cost and it doesn't. It's just rearranging our priorities of what you do with your money. So even when I lived in Johannesburg and in SA and worked in corporate, I remember the trend was to get the fanciest car to show your position. Um, you know, now you have to live in a certain area because you, know, you are judged if you, how are you a CEO and you have to travel back to the hood exactly. and you know have to take that nice big salary and start breaking it up into all these luxury things that you don't really need but if that's your vice that's your vice so for me I got myself a little car which was what I sold when I sold my house and car I left South Africa and over the years that's how I've been able to do it um for me it's you know I could either go out and pop the bottles and 
get that or I can go have a nice glass of wine, a nice meal and know that like in a month's time, I'm getting on a flight, I'm going to have a new experience, meet new people and come back educated. So um, I'm, I'm academic, yes, like scholar wise, but I also feel a lot of my education comes from travel. So mm. I look at it as an investment into my education because that's I wouldn't be me had I not traveled and met people doing different things. So I didn't think I could ever even leave corporate. Um, how we were raised was that you stick to that job until it's retirement and and and. And when I started traveling and seeing people thinking in alternative careers and even gigging your skill sets and those things were scary to me because it all sounded like instability. <laughs> <laughs> and I can imagine for an accountant, stability is important. <laughs> I am typical type A, I super plan. I have three backup plans at a time. So even when I was doing this move from corporate into whatever else this world was going to be. It has to be those uh, two years of like saving up, um, planning, at least I know the bare minimum, I had to calculate what I can live with um, as a bare minimum. And then we went from there. And once you even take out things like your car, car installment, insurance, bond, all the other payments that come with even the home ownership. And, and then you have to be like, wait, is this what I want to do? Mm. So what was dumb or considered dumb at the time by a lot of my peers was selling your house. It was like, you don't do that. Um, you know, you're selling your house, your car, you're leaving. What do you, you know, what, you have to own property. You have to have assets. <laughs> yeah. um, so internally that, that freaked me out. But I was like, if I don't do it, if I don't put myself out there, I'll never know whether or not maybe Nzoa, and then I have to pick myself up again it's like and because everyone was saying you, you built this and and I was like I don't feel like I've built anything because I don't feel like what I've built is serving me mm-hmm. um but now I'm like wait I make probably less than I did before now I don't feel like that. I'm able to travel more. I own my time better. Um, our relationship is better because we are also not like stressed out people who come home and offload onto each other. Um, you know, I control my working hours. I've structured my life and in, in I can work from anywhere really now. Um, and that was a big goal for me. So the past four years, my goal was I need to be able to work from anywhere. So I'm not restricted to any one location because I want to travel. And when COVID happened, it was a good test for that <laughs> because <Yep>. at the time <laughs> I'm leading a whole organization that's in Kenya um, I'm the leader who's stuck in another country over months and that was a true test of can you now do this can you really work yeah. um, remotely and from anywhere and I think the world COVID was a blessing because I think the world is adjusting to that um, faster um, and so over the years, it's just been little steps that, you know, get you comfortable into a thing. So it's not a, I woke up and decided I'm going to be based out of multiple countries. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kenya was meant to be two years and then we we're going to move to West Africa, which is still the plan. So as geese, I'm not coming back home anytime soon. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, yeah, so we're still planning on living in West Africa for, for a couple of years as well. And, and now we're more confident because we dealt with that home conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and is home us putting, you know, uh, our feet on the ground and saying, this is land, we're going to have kids, we're going to do this. 
was home what home is for us. And, and once we got to that place, it's just been more comfortable, no anxiety of comparing my lifestyle and where I'm at with, you know, age mates, peers, what the world is doing. And I'm like, well, I don't think none of us know <laughs> anyway. No, no. And the thing so, is, we, we act like we know, but we actually really don't know. And I think this time... Mm-hmm. For me, I think this time has been great in that so many people are realizing that it's not just about acquiring the things that other people have told you you need for you mm-hmm. to feel like a whole human, right? I, I feel I feel like there's so many of us who got houses, cars, all the things that are about affluence because that's what we think other people think we should have, Mm -hmm. say we should have. And then there's the reality of, but what do you want? And I think that this time has Mm -hmm. asked so many of us, what do you want? You know, when you mentioned um, Kenya, when I'm a huge advocate of solo travel, right? I love traveling in general, but I think that particularly for women, you must be able to travel by yourself because there's an instinctual, adventurous thing in traveling by yourself. Mm-hmm. And like you say, I was like many typical South Africans who done Europe by myself, North America by myself. And I realized I hadn't done the continent by, by myself and I didn't have a good enough reason um, to, have to say, why am I? not I couldn't understand it so when I turned 30 I was like I am going to go on a solo trip to Kenya I am going to discover myself discover this place um and I remember I spent my 30th birthday at um a restaurant that is a cave called Alibaba um oh, I love it I yes I <laughs> yes. there's a picture of me sitting by myself having dinner on my 30th birthday and it was the most transformative thing ever I read Eckhart Tolle's A New Earth and I realized how amazing um Kenyan people were it was 2010 um um I had just uh scored the first goal so I had dreadlocks at the time and Kenyans thought that we were related. So they- Yes, I was about to say. They gave me a better room. They were like, ah, shabalala. I was like, well, okay. (laughs) And I realized how similar we are. I I realized, I then began um, looking at the story of the Bantu people of the understanding Mm -hmm. of how Swahili says umzungu and Tina, we say umlungu, and how the Bantu people traveled and and how we look alike. So I, you know, I learned how to, to, to say habari, habari nzuri, and then the people go on. I'm like, no, that's what I know. I don't know anything more than that. (laughs) Don't go further than that. And I think the discovery of the continent for me has been amazing. So, I, I want to ask you about how you combined your love for um, fashion, music, art, traveling into a space that be, then becomes Jerry Colisa, a space where we can buy some of the things from, I know one of the designers you like is the maker of this ring, who's Adele Dijak. Uh, she's amazing. amazing. Um, I love her. I love her. I love her. And um, so how does that happen where you combine all those things and turn them into a space, a curated space where somebody like me, who, who's a lover of us 
uh, women, African people, and fashion that you can go to yeah. check out. Yeah, right. So that, that happened during that, that MBA time. So I moved over to Kenya and the first thing I wanted to do was explore um, the accessory world. And actually Adele yeah, Dejac was also one of the first brands um, I started importing into SA for pop-ups and you know trying to see, because my thing is, oh my God, I found all these amazing designers. Now everyone has to go. <laughs> Sharing, sharing. Um, sharing, sharing. <laughs> and that's actually what the platform is about because I figured if I'm looking for this, there's someone else looking for these designers. If I'm looking for this music, there's someone else looking for this music. If I'm finding these amazing destinations, there's someone else who will probably fall in love in yeah. both places. Um, so it, it was happening gradually. So we had like pop-ups in Joburg and I had a Kenyan partner at the time who was also introducing me to these brands. Um, and, you know, we take big bags down and then had these little things and just a test of, to see whether even South Africans were keen. Mm -hmm. um, because here at this side, I know Kenyans are very keen on a lot of stuff from SA. So, you know, how, how is this happening? And there've been a couple of um, designer curated shops on the fashion side. Um, then my MBA dissertation topic was on um, consumer behavior of African aesthetic brands. And for that, I wanted to get a knowledge base to even help these designers and understanding consumer behavior when someone's looking at their product versus um, a Western product or whatever, and what goes through, what's your mental journey? Yeah. Um, so in, in typical um, I guess self-style I nerd everything out um, so I was like okay so this is the thinking around the fashion side and the behavior what's happening with music um, everyone in Kenya most people in Kenya know a lot about it essay and it's not vice versa so what's why is that the case um, then you're going to find out oh it's it's the industry here is not as strong and they you know they had political um, instability for years so the big majors um, weren't coming to set up um, camp in Kenya so that's why you have everyone running mostly from South Africa and Nigeria and then looking at those and how can we do this better so then I was largely in a fashion space and curious about the music space and working with artists. And um, then I got approached by South to Soul, who are you know incredible African artists. Amazing. In um, and they were starting a label called Soul Generation. Records, and, yeah. yeah. They were looking for, for an MD and um, they were, really wanted someone with um, 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 an academic corporate background, but also had interest and knowledge of the arts and understanding because you're dealing with artists. So there's also certain sensitivities and understanding from that perspective. Yeah. Um, and with Soul Generation, the idea was to cultivate the industry and also have sort of a pipeline up and coming artists coming through that. Um, and I mean, like Sato is great, um, working with them, still working with them has been amazing. Um, but now working in a different capacity because I get to a point where I'm like, but more can be done. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> and so being at home for the year and also having all those conversations um, started Oh, just not last year, but last year was let's make it bigger. But before that was these things need struck, they're unstructured and therefore they're unprofitable because 
no one is really working in a succinct manner and everyone's trying to work in silos and yeah. people are experiencing the same problems and not consulting with each other. So then it was, let's build ecosystems around these environments um, and start whatever linkages I even have of different places. Let's start getting collaboration. So even in SA working with um, the likes of Wopilani Bubu, um, who's also been here, worked with, Kenyan guys, and actually, I think she's coming back again this year and making now music with Kenyan producers. Um, you know, Sauti Sol has worked with Shoma Josie Black Motion um, on, on the, the Queen Sono thing, so we took gospel choir. Um, we've got Viri, the storyteller, also working on things. So we've just looked at this world as it's art and you can't imagine a world without art. So why is art not as profitable, not seen as as important? And it's now building the structures. Because once I started with fashion, I was like, music has the same thing. This is the same thing. This is the same thing. So with Jericho Lisa um, and why it's one umbrella for all of those, it's to show the interconnected um, nature of it all and how inspiration of it is from here. So the tribal is, we say, rooted in African um, um, rooted in our Africanness. And it's because the travel of it um, usually inspires um, the film, the photography, the music, the mm. fashion. You can't look at a cloth and not look at its origin and not look at a print and a print telling a history, being able to tie it to a drum line, being able to try it to some sort of chant, being able to try it to like more what it is. And then when it's so wild, I started even looking up um, like you were saying, the migration and how even our music goes. And then you've got this flavor, you've got bongo flavor, you've got the Afro beats and all the sounds that have come out of South Africa. And you look at the bass, which is now the drum um, and like how we are all influenced, even if we have our own nuances, like there's a lot of similarities, um, but we wouldn't know that unless you went and found out or someone was telling you, oh, there's a platform to discover all of this. We wouldn't have xenophobia if you know people even understood how African countries have played the role in the various liber um, um, liberations. Mm -hmm. And so for us was, you know, let's put together this thing and start showing people um, the continent through us who are also African. Because there's a lot of even Americans who have done it or Black Americans who, who do it and have done it. And, um, you know, like, and we are there like, oh, eh, say you tell me. You know, like, I'm going to tell you about all these amazing things I'm seeing there. So we are trying to tie and also show how all of these things are not um, singular and they connected our culture is such a beautiful thing mm -hmm. that it inspires how we dress how we chant how we sing um, and everything that is around us so travel becomes a way of us discovering all of that so I feel like I wouldn't have found out any of this um, had I not traveled um, I mean, the internet's then yes you can um, but I personally wouldn't have. So that's why travel becomes my vehicle to showcasing all of these other elements because that's how I got here. Yeah. And, and I think, I think the, the issue, and I've often said this, is that South Africa is seen as the country that thinks it's like the United States of Africa. We feel like we don't have to. Yeah. Do <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? We feel like we don't have to go anywhere else because, oh my gosh, things are amazing here. But the richness in, yeah. I mean, yesterday we were watching Brenner Boy's uh, Tiny Desk um, performance. Yes. And I was saying to somebody, I cannot wait to go back to Lagos. And somebody, yeah. and we're all black, you know, and somebody was like, 
oh, you liked it? I was like, I loved it, you know? And I saw somebody else who was like, I can't wait to go. And I think that now that we are realizing how rich and amazing, I mean, if, if going to Ghana was not expensive, so expensive in 2019, I would have gone. But the year of the return and Beyonce and all of them, I'm like, yeah. oh, hey. <laughs> sister cannot afford I'm actually, I was Googling, I was Googling Ghana for this December. Actually, like, I didn't even tell you how much a price ticket costs now. <laughs> I was doing this yesterday because um, I was talking to a friend in the States and, and um, another friend who lives here, but she's American and she lived in Ghana before coming here. And another, the friend who's in, is in America now, she was, she's been living in Nairobi and she was saying, okay, can we meet in Ghana in December? <laughs> so you said, exactly. Because that's, yeah. <laughs> no, it's real. Like to, to, and, and that's the thing we have to liberate the travel, right? The, that's why our people would rather um, go to Thailand than go to Zanzibar. Cause they're like, yeah. oh, it's the same amount of money, but the experience is unparalleled there's nothing like it so I I wanted I think one of the reasons why I was so interested in talking to you so a a quote that people use a lot um, by Rumi is what you seek is seeking you and I do believe that I believe what you seek is seeking you and I'm trying to imagine you in a corporate space punching numbers dealing with all (laughs) kinds of like white supremacy uh, male violence, uh, <laughs> corporate racism in South Africa. And I know I'm talking to a lot of us who are, uh, we've got the cars, we pet it, it, I, but go, yeah, ba, ba, M7, You're not seen. Not <laughs> it doesn't seen. matter how you try to be seen. Exactly. No matter how hard you work, somebody else, you know, w- will get trumped mm-hmm. before you, but you're making the money. And yeah. then, you make the decision, Natasha Moreto, to say, goodness, there's gotta be more. I feel like this is not it. And I know there are many people during this pandemic who have felt this feeling, who are feeling it now. I'm doing the wrong thing. I'm not in the right space. I feel like I'm creative. I just, I feel a pulling, I feel my calling. And they <laughs> too, right? So how yeah. did you decide, how did you get the bravery to say, oh, I've got to do it? Like um, the upward mobility, <laughs> the money, the, but my soul needs the next partner. <laughs> what made you finally decide to follow let me let me rephrase that. What finally made you decide to be who you were brought here to be? Ooh, I love that phrasing. <laughs> I love that phrasing because I think it's it's probably like the most accurate because it wasn't even a an instant becoming the person I am. Also, still in evolution. It's been like a journey of evolution. Yeah. Um, I think it's. The awareness of mortality, and it sounds, <laughs> and it sounds a bit morbid, um, but it it was literally that. Like I'm going to die in this space, um, and I will at that point not be able to do anything about it mm. um, because once I'm gone, I'd be gone. So while I'm here, what can I do? It will be scary, um, but also, like I said, traveling gave me 
a lot of um, um, bravery and insights into meeting new people from different walks of life and having tried and doing different things. So I started asking myself, like, that girl I met in Greece, why can't I be? Um, you know, the only difference between us is that she's white, but she's, you know, she's living professionally creative and she's doing it. And like, you know, and like my thing was, she's got this freedom and I met and made all these friends from traveling while traveling that were even able to travel more than me because I'm bound by this office space that I have to go to. And at the same time, this place leaves me feeling so lacking and empty and incapable and not smart enough. And, um, and, and it sounds weird. I started feeling smart again after I left because mm -hmm. there was a period of years where I was like, am I good at this like what if I suck what if I'm stupid what if this is why I keep being overlooked um, um in favor of white men who are more qualified than um for positions and roles and this is when you know someone thinks they can speak to you um in this manner and I'm, I was like this is not okay and then I'm traveling countries like Kenya where things are black old um you know your lecturers look like you um, you, you start seeing that our people are not just the service people, our people are also owners and things of institution. Um, and East Africa, especially with Kenya and having, you know, them being liberated way before us, um, coming here was a wild experience because I'm like, wait, you guys, the white people are actually like the tiniest of minority and they also don't have the most power as they do in SA where they're minority, but they've got so much power. Exactly. Like here, the people own the land, they own the agriculture, they own businesses, they own all those things. So seeing that inspires you and says, I can, I should try, um, you know? And for me, it was, I'd, I'd lost my dad in 2010 and it was very unexpected and a huge shock to me. And it, it really set me off um, in thinking about what, how much time do I have? Um, so that's one. And two, because it was a suicide, I was like, will I get so depressed that I even end my own life because of this? So it was a really, that's why I'm like, it sounds morbid and it's, but um, um, to your reference, 2020 is one of those years um, that people experienced a lot of like sudden shock. And no wonder they're in the space where they're questioning, because that's what led me to it. I experienced a sudden shock that said, Tasha can continue being this person and you can continue betraying yourself. And um, and the, the one instance I particularly remember clearly in my mind had gotten a job um, as um, finance manager of Hogan Levels. Um, and you know everyone was celebrating. My friends were taking me out for champagne. And I went home sense. at night. Isn't it like the fifth biggest law <laughs> firm in the world? <laughs> yeah. Right? So you're yeah. like, hey. But it didn't feel like when I got home after dinner and all those drinks and stuff. Um, and then I, I was like, no, no, no. Maybe it's just me and my insecurities. Maybe, you know, like I feel like, you know, um, it's a bubble that's going to burst. Maybe it's fear. And then I got into the role. And then I was like, no, it's not fear. It's me. I know it's not right. <laughs> it's a great move, but it's not for me. That's okay. So now I have so many, I guess, smaller accomplishments that mean so much more to me because they're tied to who I am. And I'd rather have that um, than, you know, be living at a point where I feel like I'm about to break any moment. And with my dad's suicide, I was like, I saw what it did to my family. So I knew that's not what I want for me. Um, so I was like, I need to get therapy. I need to get myself right. I need to get myself back to myself. I need to ask myself what I like to begin with. What yeah. do you like? 
Um, and and then when I started like getting into that, and I started trying a whole lot of new things from martial arts, pole dancing. You know, I'd go on these travel adventures, and I have mad anxiety. So even to do these things <laughs> it was a lot. Um, so you know, like I'm introverted. I prefer being home, being by myself, and taking myself out of my comfort zone in those ways um, helped me make that decision. And 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 I'm glad I did because at the time I felt like everyone was saying a lot of people who didn't know me or some who knew me, my own family, was saying, you know, this is not the path to success mm. um, because apparently they know it. <laughs> and um, and I was saying to myself, well this is not the path to happiness either um, because I don't feel it. Right. So if I don't feel it, I need to find it elsewhere or, 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 you know, or else I have to live with myself and then die and then be like, oh, maybe I could have done something different and I didn't. Um, so that's where the bravery came from because I was like, I don't want to end up dead. I don't want to end up depressed. I don't want to end up unhappy. I just feel like life is happening. I don't know how much of it is left, but it's here. And as scary as this is, it's scarier for me um, not to do this because what's scary is who I'll become and what I might do. Um, So it was almost freeing myself of people's expectations, um, you know, societal, family and stuff, because I grew up as that Nats kid. Um, you know, like, so everyone was like, you know, she can do maths. She must go be an accountant. And now it's so much different because I still use the same educational skill sets, just in a different environment. I don't, exactly. sing. I don't, <laughs> you know, exactly. um, you know, I run a company that makes music. I run a company that deals with designers. I recently, um, um, not recently, but the past few years was like, oh, wait, I'm also a storyteller. Um, you know, I'm also an artist in my own sense, in my own right. And I started getting more comfortable even identifying that way. Um, a few years ago, if you would have asked me, you know, so, so, so who are you? What do you do? Without a doubt, I would have been like, I'm an accountant. <laughs> I'm a finance specialist. And so like now when I, I respond, oh, I'm an artist. And they're like, oh, what did you make music to? I'm like, no, I just live art. And, you know, like all, everything I do is around art, whether it's music publishing, whether it's actual music releases, whether it's fashion, whether it's brand consultations. Um, I work with artists as an artist myself with an academic background and other things. Like finance is not a definition of who you are. It's something I can do and I've got knowledge of, um, you know, operations and whatever it is. It's things I can do and I've got knowledge of. But we tend to find so much sense of self in um, jobs where, where, because it's part of who we are. And once you can't find the sense of who you are and what you do, you start feeling this dissonance, man. And that thing, it won't let you go. Never. Um, and that every day I was waking, crying in the shower um, every time I had to go to the office. Um, and, you know, my, my team who are people and I'm people oriented um, were the only reason I'd get up to go to work. Um, the system itself just had me doubting myself. The system itself had me feeling um, disempowered. And I was like, this cannot be it. Um, I had big dreams. This cannot be the dreams. So the bravery came from, I'm not going to betray myself. I can't betray myself. Um, So let's try something else. If that works out, cool. If not, 
we'll try the next thing. And so far, it's been one thing that's been a stepping stone for the next, a stepping stone for the next. Um, so it didn't happen overnight. But I think the most dramatic was that point in 2016, July, where I was like, okay, my house is up for sale. So is my car. Um, I'm going to pack the rest of what I can't sell in a storage container and it's still there. Um, and then just took like two suitcases and came to Nairobi, put them down, went back to Joburg. My husband and I took our bike and then we rode from Joburg to Nairobi on our motorbike and had another adventure. So even that, when we first thought of it was comfort zone, no. But epic adventure, yes. yes. So we are going to do that. <laughs> I, I watch you and your husband on Instagram and I just think you are so lucky to have found a kindred spirit, a partner and a friend who's like, let's go and do this crazy shit together. You want to <laughs> let's go around Africa together. Because I think that's so rare to, to, to have something so magical happen to you. I think, yeah, I, that's when I actually started. I was like, who is, who is this called? Which reminds me, I, I, so I have two, uh, last questions, which reminds me, I've always wanted to ask you this, the eagle? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when you, she's touched with the eagle on Instagram. And like, I was just like, oh, oh my God, she went to a vibe. Oh my God. She's like, oh my God, she's a vibe, follow. And I've always wanted to know, what is your, is it a nickname or is it a given name? Um, it's a given name. So my first name actually is Eaglet, which is baby eagle. Oh, um, yes. And then when my, yeah, <laughs> just before my dad passed, we were having a conversation and he used to call me Eaglet. And he was like, that's actually my name on my ID, my first name on my ID. Oh, like Natasha's wow. way. Like my first name is Eagle, Eaglet, now Eagle. Um, because then my dad was saying, oh, you're no longer an Eagle. So now, an Eaglet, now you're an Eagle. No. Um, and then I went to drop the T. Um, but like Eagle is my name, <laughs> my actual name. So it's Tasha the Eagle. And um, when when I was born, oh, he gave me the name. And I thought I, I hated it all my life. I've got, <laughs> I've used all my, I've got four names, Mahotso, CD, Tasha. Like so, I've used them like interchangeably and like stayed away from like the Eagle one, which is the first one. Um, and again, like I started using it more after he passed because um, that's the moment he said to me, "You are my Eagle now. Um, so go forth and soar." Um, so the reason he named me Eaglet because he, he said that when I was born, I was like crying and I was like grumpy and I wouldn't let anyone touch me. And, you know, and he was like, the, this little bird is only going to calm down when it's able to soar and like oh. name me Eaglet. And, you know, I was like young and something and destined to so and destined for great heights. Yeah. So that's where the, the meaning of the, the name comes from. Um, so, yeah, like, and my husband, so my husband, is really my best friend. We were friends before um, dating. And I also met him at the time um, after I'd lost my dad. And like, you know, we used to talk for hours and hours and hours dating all sorts of other people then even. <laughs> and, and then one day, you know, when you're like, it's been in front of me all along. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is my friend. I'm sorry to, why am I busy with these guys who are also really not treating me right? <laughs> He's got genuine love for me and I love him. And he lets me be. I let him be. And then one day, you know, we just had that moment where you look at each other different, like, oh, maybe there's something there <laughs> beyond this. 
So that's when we decided to, to try it out. And then he found out he was moving to Singapore because while we were friends, he had been telling me about this thing he's trying to manifest. Um, so over, even with that relationship, why it worked, a lot of people were saying, long distance is rubbish. You know, someone will be cheating on you, blah, blah, blah. Our minds and our hearts weren't there um, because that's also, you know, how we looked at the relationship was about us and, you know, what we're trying to do and, our goal is to bring out the best out of each other. And that, that was on a friendship level and that still is right now. Um, so I've never you know, woken up and said, I feel this way and had it been invalidated. Yeah. So, you know, when he woke up and said, let's ride our other bike from Joburg, from Joburg to Nairobi, because we need a bike in Nairobi. Let's not buy a bike in Nairobi. I was like, hmm, okay. <laughs> and, and then when it came to doing it, we were like, your flames. <laughs> like, this is not <laughs> um, and then we did it. So it, like, it's just been like, yeah. So even when like now he's still, he's my business partner. He's my friend. We, you know, people are like, don't you guys get sick of each other? And I think it's because we are friends first, foremost, more than anything. Yeah. Um, and then everything happens. So that's the basis of even the, the transparency and, and openness, because I don't feel like I can't say anything. Um, um, out of fear of, hey, this guy's going to leave me. Um, and we don't also have that whole, I'm holding on to you for dear life. It's be free. Um, you know, we encourage each other to be free, to explore, to find stuff within ourselves and explore those things. So I'm not there like, no, you can't try this. You have to bring a paycheck every month. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, so he's also like, yeah. Um, so we, we've got less of, even in the relationship, less of that, you know, it's your responsibility to hold any one role. It's always a partnership thing. So, mm -hmm. you know, we don't have things of you only do cleaning and cooking and you only do, we both run our house. It's our house. So if our house is a mess, it's our responsibility to clean it up. If, so, so that's how we look at money. That's how we treat all of these things. They're part of things happening and we never make anything more important than ourselves um, and ourselves to each other and our being. So spiritually, you know, I went on and said, I, I, I need to go find um, what I believe in because right now I'm not feeling Christianity and that way I need to go. And then I started researching African spirituality. I started doing all of these things. And at no point was he like, no, 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 no. This is who you've always been. This is who you need to stick to. So he's also, um, you know, I've been not given me the freedom, but I never feel like my evolution affects him negatively yeah. um, in any way that does he. So I think that's why the relationship works because I'm like, be the best you, homie. And he's also like, be the best you, homie. And that's where we at. Um, you know, Maya Angelou so that said that love liberates. And she was right, mm. wasn't she? That love that's, liberates. Yeah. It literally gives you the freedom to be yourself. And if you feel constricted, mm -hmm then you have to you know <laughs> you know because yeah, you know, i know my first relationship i know how it felt before um i know where i felt like i can't say certain things and i have to be a certain person or i have to be your cheerleader the entire time but i never feel like i have the same amount of support um so i've been in those relationships where i feel i would feel like i'm losing myself by being a part of you um, so this time around, what was different was that I felt like I could be absolutely anything. 
um, and still have the support and encouragement all the time. Isn't that and amazing? Now, like, like we all do, you look back and you're like, Whoo, who was that? But you're like, yeah. I was great. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And also, as you get older, you realize liberation, uh, platonically and romantically, and even family-wise, is crucial. Mm. Crucial. It's like mm. the number one thing. That's, I think that's why... I think other than love and the sense of internal peace, freedom is the one thing we mm. all seek and want, yeah. all of us. So my last question to you is, what's next? I know you mentioned um, um, West Africa, uh, you're wearing your current collection. Um, and, and maybe what's next is, is, is an incorrect question. Maybe it is, yeah. What do you see for yourself for the coming years, uh, still living nomadically, uh, creatively, and spiritually? But like, what do you see for yourself, your business, your husband, your, your family? What, what are your biggest dreams for yourself? So, <laughs> so like for myself, um, for myself, going forward is well one I want to continue sharing a bit more um, even with the Jericho Lisa platform like in the more immediate um, I wasn't making enough time to share I was experiencing a lot um, so I want to make time to share with the intention of demystifying a lot and, and actually doing it practically. Because um, when you think about travel, you think I need to have this amount of money and this amount of thing. And, and maybe you don't even know of all the other riches that travel come with, such as what it gives you. So, you know, you're saving up for a degree and what I'm not saying, don't do that. But for me, I felt like it was that ed educational. So it's worth plowing into. So, and if you're not able to do that, now that it's, you know, we are under COVID-19, we can't travel as much. The travel that I have done, and I've got, I don't know how many hard drives of images and stories and things I've also collected over time, but never found time to even put it on the platform. So I'm spending the next of this past two months where we're trying to write more, we are trying to put it out there so you can at least virtually travel with us and experience those things. Um, but bigger than that for me is finding African creative solutions um, and actually getting industry. I hate the fact that our, our creatives a lot of the time feel like they need to do multiple jobs or especially even musicians feel like I need to do something else and be a musician at the same time because it's impossible. So um, we've dedicated largely our lives to building industry and assisting in that. Um, you know, there's a lobby group that we work with in Kenya called ARA, Artists Rights Africa, and it's in building out now systems and creating ecosystems in the industry because no one's going to save us. Mm. Um, so that's my thing. That's what purpose is. So my purpose is servitude in that field. Um, so whatever I'll be doing in the next few years will continue being in that space. And as, as things inform, as I learn plowing myself back in there, um, because servitude has, has given me more than you know trying to do things that are me focused. Um, because I've really, I get a lot of joy from this space that I did when I was climbing up the ladder and like, you know, 
like effing things up in the boardroom. <laughs> this to me, um, it's 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 it really is fulfilling. Um, you know, seeing someone manifest a dream from creating something, whether it's a song, it's a product and stuff, and being able to now put it in a market and put it in a in a, in a place where it's appreciated, bought, commercialized, etc., is where I want to be. So I'm an appreciator, but I feel like it's not enough just doing that. We need to figure out what industries are we building that support these creators or else we are not going to have this. We are not going to have our stories told. We're not going to have accurate accounts of our history. We're going to see our creations fizzle out um, because we're not trying to uphold them. This Africanness is going to be this trend and then the world's going to forget and focus on someone else if we don't make sure people understand that we're not a trend, we're not a fetish, we're not here for now. We've always been here mm-hmm. and we are here going forward and this is what we bring to the table but no one's going to set up industries and no one is going to help bring our people up how many NGOs have been here with that mandate but things fail because it's being done with no local knowledge so you're going to come here and bring an NGO that solves a problem that's not my problem my immediate problem which means we keep missing the point completely so I think it's us Africans who need to be coming up with African solutions yep. going forward, whether it's creative, whether, but our, we need to be doing the job. So that's where, that's where, that's my dream to see more of us coming back into Africa, into our spaces and plowing this thing, um, um, plowing back into this thing, because even in corporate it was more celebrated to get a secondment um, in London or New York than actually want to do a secondment in a firm that's on the continent. Um, and that now I, I was one of those people I won't even lie because for me, I was like, you know, I want to, I want to, yeah, yeah, I want to, I want that NYC secondment or I want that, I want to go to Washington, DC. I want to, and now I was like, wait, who's coming back to fix this? If I'm fixing those guys, they call London, who's fixing us here? And if multinationals make money here and then transfer it out and drain it out of Africa, who's plowing back into here? So that's why we're not seeing the development happen. Um, because the first thing we do is, you, I, I'm, re- I'm relocating to Switzerland. I really, so, so, so I want to, yes, live that, but also encourage more people to come and say, guys, home is here. Let's build this because then you can live in this place that you've built. The reason everything else looks so attractive is they've gone and built their things. So now you keep going there and even like helping them build their things further and appreciating. And you're leaving your own home a mess. So no, stop checking Batubabang. <laughs> Fix things, yeah. Let's grow this. Let's be proud of this. When I speak about Zanzibar, when I speak about Kenya, um, I got married in Diani and one of the reasons I did that was not because I wanted to get married. Um, initially, marriage was not even the plan. But when we decided to even have a wedding celebration, I had it in Kenya intentionally, and 100 people flew into the country for that. So for me, that's 100 people that got to see Kenya and that I got to take around that wouldn't have come and wouldn't have a reason to come. So it's yeah. in those small things. Rata saying, hey, girls or whoever, let's go to Ghana. Let's, let's put this trip together. Um, yeah. Let's go see what's happening there. So it's in those steps where we start engaging in things that are happening. Um, that's all I want to encourage. And that's all I want to be like building, being a part of building out this thing of ours, which is beautiful. And this baby of ours is growing, um, you know, like that year of the return. Do you, how many people 
were on the continent that December. It was wild. Excellent. Like I was seeing every celebrity was like here. <laughs> um, crazy. That's and one month. We do one month. One month. Right all of us were proud. Exactly. And we're living. How many people you encourage to come and get it here? So that's all I want us to all be, man. I love that. I, I love how you're about us. Um, you, you're just incredible. I'm, I'm so glad we made this conversation um, happen. Um, she's been featured on uh, BBC Africa's She the Word. She's the co-founder of Jerry Colisa, a creative uh, and the embodiment of Black Girl Magic and Ego. Thank you so much for joining me, Natasha. This was incredible. <laughs> it was I'm amazing. super honored. I love you. I'm a fan of the podcast. I've seen <laughs> You've featured so many people I love, so I, I'm I feel incredibly honored. Um, yeah, and like yeah, I, I was literally like, you want to talk to me? Um, so yeah, <laughs> I spoke to so many people that I love already. Um, bless this platform, bless getting these words out, and the amazing work that you're doing. Um, you could be doing anything else with your your weekend, and here you are. And <laughs> You are doing also, this is now you doing your part in our work. Um, so this is not outside of it as well. So, so yeah, so bless the platform, bless everything else that you're doing and putting eyes on who we are and highlighting stories and things that are important to us. So this is amazing. So bless you, sis. Thank you so much, Natasha. You know, Nina Simone said, I think we're the most incredible people, the most beautiful people, us Black people. Mm -hmm. And that's how I feel. And I feel when I meet other people who are like-minded like you, I have to tell somebody about you. And better believe this is not our last conversation. It's our first of many. Yes. <laughs> it's our first of many. And hopefully we'll get to uh, travel together soon. No, you come come to Kenya again or wherever else we meet because we I have friends that are South African and I've never I've never met them at home but I've seen them like all over else. <laughs> so whether it's Kenya or wherever like whether it's a solo travel I'll be here you have you have a home here so you know welcome anytime thank you so 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 much and believe me I'm going to take you up on that offer because girl <laughs> my passport is <laughs> Not even here, Lisa. Look, I wait. I endeavored to bring a hundred people here. Trust me, one guest is <laughs> one guest is like I get so hyped and take people everywhere. And there's also so many places I want to go to here and I haven't been. Um, so I always use those opportunities um to do that. So when friends come over, I'll say, okay, we'll go here. I've been, but I also want to go to Samburu land, I also want to go to this place. So it also gives me a chance to like you know be a tour guide but also a tourist at the same time so it's, caribou anyway. oh th listen thank you thank you thank you i like you don't, i'm so excited about this like she's touching the evil <laughs> instagram she's amazing follow her she's incredible thank you so so much for joining me on relevant you're amazing thank you, thank you. <laughs>